0: This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to episode 30. We need more dreamers learning to lead outside the box. Hey, I'm excited. Episode 30. That's kind of a little milestone for me. 30 episodes. I hope you are enjoying my podcast. I always love hearing from my listeners. I hope you enjoyed the podcast I recently did on the thorny questions and keep those coming. I love hearing your questions. I've already begun to accumulate a new set, but uh, this, um, This show today is going to be about creativity and dreamers and how important it is that we have dreamers. Now I have learned that everybody's not a dreamer and everybody's not a visionary and it would be a Terrible world! If everybody was, I think, for every visionary dreamer, there need to be a hundred or a thousand followers who can implement those great visions. But I think in in times of change in which we live, we do need to be thinking outside the box. I have a member of my board of directors who, in his seventies, always used to tell me, Hans, we don't need to think outside the box. We need some brand new boxes. I so much think that's true. My favorite quote on change is from Robin Cook in the book Abduction. In times of change, learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. You know, Walt Disney was a big dreamer. And every industry, every occupation, every church and ministry, we need to have dreamers who think outside the box, who dream up new stuff. People like Francis Schaeffer, when I was a a young Christian and just coming along in my faith, uh, even today, there are many great dreamers. We need dreamers. Me and my family were at Universal Studios on the City Walk not long ago, and there's a toy store there called Wound and Wound. I'm not sure why it's called that, maybe because of people getting wounded for playing with their toys, or maybe that's just the family. But I love the sign that was in the window that reads, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. So True. I know that my wife sometimes gets annoyed at me at Christmas time when I'm on the ground for hours playing with the toys, and it used to be with my children, and they would get a new train set or a, a car set or Legos or you name it, and I'd be on the floor for hours playing with them. And now I get to do it all over again with my grandchildren. And it's so much fun. Hey, I want to tell you a story about the Oregon Trail. Let me ask you a question. If you had been alive during the days of the Oregon Trail, would you have packed up your bags and your belongings and got on those Conestoga wagons and headed west? Those were dreamers. Those were visionaries. Those were entrepreneurs. Those were risk takers and they helped settle the western part of the United States. Back in 1993, America was celebrating the 150th anniversary of the Oregon Trail. And we as a family had a motorhome, and we all piled our four children into that motorhome, and we set out to follow the old path of the Oregon Trail along the entire route, starting in uh, Independence, Missouri, all the way to Oregon City, Oregon. We learned that the Oregon Trail stretched some 2,000 miles, half the width of the United States. At both ends of the trail and all along the route, there are informative interpretive centers where you you can learn so much about the people who died along the Oregon Trail. You see, there were 6,000 people who set out between 1843 and 1846, and 1,000 died along the way. That gold rush, that rush toward freedom and a new opportunity out west, the Oregon Trail, the main part of it really only lasted about those three years from 1843 to 1846. But 6,000 people set out in that three-year window, a 1,000 of which died. Now, 2,000 miles today doesn't sound like much on an interstate highway. That You know, you could do that in two long days of driving. But even a quarter mile on the Oregon Trail on foot was a whole different picture. And it's, a, it's amazing when you see the suffering and the endurance. There's one place called Independence Rock where people signed that they had been there and that they were on the, on the trail. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing experience. And as we were going along the trail in our air-conditioned motorhome home. And we were seeing these Conestoga wagons and in some of the interpretive sites and their wooden wheels and no indoor plumbing and the realization of the danger, not only the elements, but also the Indians. We asked ourselves the question, why did they do it? Would we have gone along? Would we have done it? And it struck me, why did they do it? They were dreamers. They were visionaries. They were Dreaming for a Better Future. They were focused on swimming images of Oregon and the lush green valleys and the rows of Douglas firs that lined the backs of the Willamette River. You said they had heard. Now, they didn't have television. They didn't have Instagram and Facebook and and all these images. But they had heard about the plush Pacific Northwest and that there was an opportunity for a better life. They were dreamers. Marcel Prost says that the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeing new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Kind of reminds me of what Stephen Jobs said. Our job is to think about things that are not yet on the page. That's a dreamer. That's a visionary. And every organization needs somebody to take those risks. Somebody that will dream. So the thing about the Oregon Trail pioneers, that they were risk Takers. They had two qualities. They were dreamers and risk takers. And these two qualities were totally intertwined. Very few people have the intestinal fortitude to take these kind of risks without possessing the ability to fantasize a desirable destination. They were going from point A to point B and they had convinced themselves that point B is so compelling and exciting we have to go. Here's a quote from Ren Zafiropoulos. I hope I'm saying that right. He must have been a Greek. Former president and CEO of Versatech, Incorporated, a technology company. He said, Do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. That was the Oregon Trail. I was so impressed with the people that left everything behind and went west. Think about your own situation, whether you're working in a church, a ministry, in a business, an organization. I, I was just with a young leader a week ago that I'm coaching, and He's really discouraged about his situation right now, his A, point A. But I I asked him to dream about where he wants to go His point B, and he got so excited about where he wants to take his people. And I thought to myself, you see, now that's my role, is to help to fuel that flame of his B, his future, what he's excited about. He needs to be more of a dreamer and more of a visionary, but unfortunately he's in a situation where a lot of people are pouring cold water On his dreams and his visions. So think about the people that got on those Conestoga wagons. What if you were one of them? What would the people have said to you that were left behind? They would have been mocking you. They would have been laughing at you. They would have been calling you a fool. They would have been scoffing. They would not be standing there applauding you as your Conestoga wagon pulled out of town. I can guarantee you that. They would be the naysayers because they want to know, is it safe out there? I don't have a map. There's too much unknown. I'm afraid to go. You see, it takes us leaders to dream and to go and to get on those wagons we somehow imagine risk takers as precisely the opposite of what they are. We tend to picture them as type A slave drivers, uh, the emotional and social opposite of free willing dreamers. Type A people are stereotyped as hard driving linear people with an obsessive compulsive objective view of reality. How could they possibly be dreamers? Well, see, I'm a type A personality and I can tend toward being obsessive compulsive, but I'm also a dreamer. You see, that stereotype is wrong. Risk takers come in every shape and size. Peter Drucker says this about living with risk takers in our organizations. He says every organization needs risk takers to discover, number one, risks you can afford to take, number two, risks you cannot afford to take, and number three, risks you cannot afford not to take. And that's where you need these dreamers, these risk Maybe not everyone was cut out for the Oregon Trail, but creativity and risk-taking in our organizations are not just for the gifted few. You have to find some people that can take those risks, and you have to give them the freedom to do so. So how can leaders reward risk takers. You see, that's that's what happens. Sometimes we just flat shut them down because we want to keep everything very close to the chest and very controlled. And we don't want to let things get out of control. I would say sometimes things should get out of control. And I like to tell people, well, just You know, we were talking, I was talking to a group of people recently about Mavericks and, you know, it's the same kind of idea. Um, I have the podcast on Mavericks, same sort of idea, but how do you, how do you know if they're going to destroy your organization or, or take you into the future? Well, give them a few things to experiment, you know, don't give them the whole farm on day one to experiment with, give them a project, give them something to do. So here's how leaders can reward risk takers. And uh, these notes are on my podcast show notes. Reward creativity and pioneering when it's successful. As I was a CEO and we would have uh, people who would propose something new and we would give them the clearance and the authorization to go ahead and try, maybe it was a new approach to our website, maybe it was a new approach to this, that, or the other, and then it was successful, you need to circle back around and reward that success and applaud it. Allow new blood into leadership. That's one way leaders, how leaders can cultivate dreamers and risk Takers by allowing new blood into leadership. The leader I was talking to the uh, last week that was so discouraged about his present circumstance, half his board of directors needs to go because they are obstructing the future because he inherited them from the past. And if you have a board of directors that's not on board with you, (laughs) excuse the pun, you're not going to get anywhere. Now, he's in a delicate situation because he cannot hire and fire his board, but he needs to get his board and his leadership team lined up. You'll never take risks if your board and leadership team is not on board in agreement. We will take some risks. You know, Stephen Jobs, when he uh, was thrown out of Apple computer, Uh, he, you know, he he did a famous speech. Uh, You've probably seen his Stanford University commencement speech. Just Google Stephen Job commencement speech on YouTube. It's one of the greatest little talks I've ever heard. And he says the greatest thing that ever happened to him was that he got kicked out of his own company that he founded. But you know, he went back And when he went back, he re-energized Apple Computer, and it is number one or number two most valuable company on planet Earth today. But the first thing he did when he got back, you know what he did? He fired the entire board of directors that brought him in to save the company. It's all in his book, uh, his biography that came out after his death, but I just thought, Man, not every leader has the uh, privilege and opportunity to fire their board of directors and get away with it. Most of us, if we try that, they will turn around and fire us. But as I told my the leader that I was with last week, you got to somehow get the board of members that are with you to get rid of together of the board of members, board of directors that are against you. Because you will not be able to move forward and take the risk you need to take with that cast of characters. Stephen Jobs knew that he could not save Apple and turn it around without the board of directors being with him and with his vision for the future. Again, I kind of got off on a sidetrack there, but uh, great stuff. How leaders can reward risk takers, reward creativity and pioneering, allow new blood into leadership, cross-training, networking, site visits, you know, go out and and visit people who are doing things the way you would like to do, go to conferences, allow people to fail. You know, that's really important. Not only do we celebrate great successes, but we give grace when there is great failure. We all ought to be listening to people outside of our field and listening to outsiders and breathing oxygen. My good friend Tom always says sometimes we're just guilty of breathing too much of our own exhaust fumes. And then we get toxic and we get ingrown and all of a sudden there's no dreaming and there's no risk-taking going on. Brainstorming. Bring creative people into your organization just to lead some seminars and workshops and, and to help you think freshly about old problems. Make it safe to be creative in your organization. Relax the controls that stifle coloring outside the lines. Is your organization run by rules or is it run by passion? Is it run by a policy manual or is it run by a set of values and dreams and visions and aspirations? I want to share about the Starbucks creed. Anybody who knows me for any length of time knows that (laughs) my blood runs black. Donna says if you were to cut me, my blood would be black. That's not actually true because when I do cut, I bleed red. But I am a coffee lover and I come by it genetically. My father was born and raised in Leipzig, Germany, which is the state of Saxony. And the Germans are world-renowned for their love of coffee. In fact, they call them coffee coffee saxons they are of all the germans who love coffee the saxons are the biggest coffee lovers and i've heard that they get the first choice of some of most of the coffee harvests around the world i don't know how that works out but they are so discerning in their pick of the coffee beans it's crazy well when starbucks came along i became their perfect uh customer. And when I finish this podcast, I've actually got a meeting with somebody in about an hour uh, at Starbucks, of course, and I'm looking forward to that. I was so glad when Howard Schultz came along um, and he introduced great coffee to Americans. Well, let me just tell you a little bit about that story in case you've never read his book, Pour Your Heart Into It. Howard Schultz came along and he bought the little Starbucks franchise and he began to dream about bringing the European coffee culture to America. My son, Andrew, just recently went uh, to Seattle to visit his best friend, and he went to that original Starbucks uh, store that's still there. So cool. Well, Howard Schultz dreamed about changing America's coffee habits. Well, do you think he had any resistance? (laughs) Well, people, he had so many skeptics who said, America loves donut shop coffee and gas station coffee, and no American will ever pay more than a dollar for a cup of coffee. Well, you know, he built his vision, and he went to Italy, and he went to a whole bunch of these espresso shops, and he said, not only do I want to bring this great coffee to America, a whole different way to brew coffee and to roast coffee and different coffee beans, but I want to bring the experience of the third place between home and work that other third place where people can meet. And if you go to Starbucks any afternoon, anywhere in the world, whether you are in China or America or in Europe, it is packed with people who are not just drinking coffee, but they are deep in conversation. So he proved his skeptics massively, massively wrong. He was a dreamer. He was a visionary. He is. And he actually turned the company around years later. His other great book is called Onward, where after some stagnation, he came back. And just like Stephen Jobs, he came back to the company that he had created and turned it around again. And their stock is trading at its highest historical records. And they are wildly successful. Now, okay, here's the bottom line. It has a lot more to do than coffee. Howard Schultz actually changed the habits of modern America and how we meet and how we do business. And with more and more people like myself who work for themselves and work on their own and they don't, quote, have an unofficial office, more and more people love to do their work at places like Starbucks. Well, here are the four principles upon which he founded his company and upon which he operates his coffee as the coffee evangelist. What great principles these are. The four big values of Howard Schultz and the Starbucks Corporation from pour your heart into it. Number one, care more than others think wise. Number two, risk more than others think safe. Number three, dream more than others think practical. And number four, expect more than others think possible. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Don't kill the dreamers. In my book, The Top 10 Mistakes Leaders Make, I wrote about mavericks. And the three deadliest phrases for the maverick are, number one, we tried that before and it didn't work. Number two, we've always done it that way. Number three- We've never done it that way. We desperately need dreamers. We need people who can think outside the lines, who can draw outside the lines, who can find brand new boxes for us. What's the point? Not only are dreamers essential to an organization's survival, but each of us need to be dreamers in training. If you're not one, get on the ball and get on it quick. Today's radical innovations require organizations with nonlinear thinkers and dreamers just to help them survive. Read outside your field. Follow the tips I've given you. Make sure you have somebody on your team that is coloring and thinking outside the lines and give the freedom to listen to those people and to give them freedom to fail. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic of dreamers and thinking outside the box. And I hope you'll go out there and think up some amazing new things for whatever it is you're pursuing. And I hope people don't stand in your way. And if they do stand in your way, you need to remember. Move those obstacles. And if it's not possible for you to remove those obstacles, it might just be time for you to go somewhere else. I've got a podcast I'll be doing very soon about how to know when it's time to quit or how to know when it's time to move on to the next opportunity. I hope you'll give me a good review on iTunes. If you enjoy this, please send me ideas for some future shows. If there's something you'd like me to address, if you have some tough questions, please send those to me. I'm working on my next thorny leadership questions podcast. And I would just so appreciate it if you could pass on my podcast through your tweets. You can go to hansfinzel.com slash love it. And I have a pre-prepared tweet that you can send out to your Twitter followers. Thanks for listening today. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.